You're listening to the Yakima Chief Hops Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Bigger Than Beer, a podcast dedicated to discussing the larger impact of the hop and craft beer community. This season, we are highlighting women plus in the industry, shining a light on outstanding women, their contributions, and also explore solutions for positive change. My name is Tony Lynn Adams, and I'm honored to serve as the host of the Bigger Than Beer podcast. Uh, Today, we have three guests joining me to discuss an initiative that is incredibly important. Welcome Sarah Perez, Trenise Watts, and Ashley Randolph, the founders of Lifting Lucy. Thank you for joining me to discuss the organization Lifting Lucy, which you all have launched this year. Woo! I know. Last year, we're in a new year already. Oh, you're right. You're right. We are in 2022. Uh, Thanks for the reminder. I'm still getting caught up. (laughs) Same to same. Absolutely. Super excited. Well, I'll go through just so uh, listeners know who's who and can identify who's, whose voice is whose. So if you could go ahead and introduce yourself and give a, a brief background and then also your current position or role within the craft beer industry. Well, I'll go. Um, my name is Trinise Watts, and I'm one of the co-founders of Lifting Lucy, uh, a.k.a. Bywalk in Beer. And um, I just am so excited to be here with you today, Tony, and with others who'll be watching to, you know, learn a little bit more about what we're doing in our mission. I'm Sarah Perez, and I'm one of the other co-founders of Lifting Lucy as well. And I am um, going to be traveling soon to Maui Brewing Company, where I'll be um, mid-level brewer down there from leaving Alaska and and doing a lot of exciting things down there and hopefully continuing to do exactly what Lifting Lucy says is lift others in our industry um, and continue to do exactly what we want to help other women be able to get to. And I am Ashley Randolph. I am a proud co-founder of Lifting Lucy. Um, And I recently stepped down from leadership with the local Las Vegas Pink Foods chapter to accept a position on the executive board for Olive Pink Foods Society International. So very excited about that. Um, In addition to that, I am the official brand ambassador for Duval and Amigang here in Las Vegas. And I have my uh, labor of love, which is my brewery and planning, Brada Craft and Brews that's slated to open in Montego Bay, Jamaica. Wow, there are some big moves and happening with each of you in your different careers. So what a what an exciting transition point for each of you as some of you are pursuing, you know, uh, new positions or you know you're you're taking on new leadership roles, uh, starting up a brewery. These are exciting things. And then on top of that, you have started this organization Lifting Lucy. So tell me and the listeners about what Lifting Lucy is. Absolutely. So um just just to give you a little bit of background, Sarah and I have known each other for almost a decade now. Um, and it's so like full circle for us to be doing this work together now. Sarah was the first woman of color that I ever met that was in the craft beer industry. And it was just such an edifying thing for me to see somebody that I could see myself in being like, yeah, when you um, go on vacation, you need to plan your travel around breweries and you need to learn how to brew. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay, like, let's do this. And then um, I had the pleasure of meeting Trinice, thanks to Mark uh, Zuckerberg. And Faith. <laughs> 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 
Big up to the mark. Um, Shout out for a sponsorship. Right? right? <laughs> like strategic. Um, and Janice had posted a, uh, a SOS of sorts saying, hey, you know, we have the Craft Brewers Conference coming up and we're really looking for some diverse panel topics and panelists. And I would say, honestly, within the first phone conversation we had, I knew that was another sister that I had for life. Like, I, I can't remember my life without Trinice in it. Like, that's just how integral she is. So as we started preparing, not only the content that we were presenting on, and, and collectively, we had three panels. We had one panel on um, community engagement and corporate stewardship. Another one on exploring untapped resources for talent. And um, the last one was, was on why it makes economic sense to diversify your consumer base and uh, as it, in relation to your, your product offerings. So yes, we had the preparation of getting the content together, but it was all the little ticky tacky things like, okay, where are we gonna stay at? What's our transportation gonna look like? Who do we need to connect with? And it really just came from a situation of us trying to make sure the three of us were taking care of to branching out to other black indigenous and other women of color that we knew that, that we're going to be attending. And so in the midst of all of this, we're like, you know what? We, we need to make sure that we're able to attend. We need to make sure that all of our expenses are covered. How do we make this happen? And so from there, um, I want to say, Thanks to Dollar Tree, another sponsorship opportunity. <laughs> um, I was in, I was really inspired. I saw this beautiful picture of all these different multicolored cans coming together in a heart. And I put it in the group chat. I was like, hey, we need to do a logo based off of this. So our official Lifting Lucy logo is as pairs of hands in varying hues around a beautiful, you know, um, chalice filled with beautiful dark beer with the thick... Uh, they had you and so we um sold our t-shirts we had an amazing response uh to that through those fundraising efforts we were able to make sure all of our expenses were covered and had a little bit left over to share with other women and the more that we began to talk to people about lifting lucy and why we did it and why it is so important not only to say yes you know we need to have a seat at the quote unquote table, but we need to build our own tables and we yes. need to make sure that we have the resources to build our own table. Um, it was only natural for us to become an official nonprofit. So like a, a common trait amongst all of us, we're very giving and we very much are our sister's keepers. We're always looking out for each other. So our good sis, uh, Trinice got one of her Christmas presents a little bit early and she was like, um, so we're officially a 501c3 now, there you go. <laughs> And here we are. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, it's hard to say, you know, what roles particularly we play because, as I'm sure you know, even doing the podcast, you're going to play about a million roles. Mm -hmm. So we're just, you know, picking up where we need to. And it's been great, you know, even though we're in completely different time zones, we still manage to get things done. But that's yeah. really just the gist of what we're about. There is still a disconnect between what's needed for you know, Black Indigenous women of color to really thrive uh, in in brewery related businesses, and so you know we're just really excited to see um, the love and the support very early on because it's it's clearly needed. You know? So we're just full steam ahead. Yeah, that's what, that's what we're about. Absolutely, Sarah. Any thoughts? Um, yeah, you know, for me, uh, I'm the I'm the 
kind of brewer in residence here. So um, I know we all brew beer. We all do the same functions, but I'm the one that has definitely worked within the corporations and worked within the breweries. I've done everything from managing to tap room to brewing the beers. And that's what I do right now is um, primary brewing beer and being in Alaska for the last several years and being one of one of two only people of color period brewing in this industry has been something where it was a catalyst for me to make sure that I became a pivotal part of something to get those just doors opened and understanding and more acknowledgement for um, for brewers, not only, uh, you know, people of color, but also for women. Um, and I don't want to be, you know, the woman brewer, but I, I do want to make sure that my, my standing is significant to others and that I'm creating a pathway for so many more to be able to come up with me and beside me um, or behind me when their time is right. And at 47 years of age, I'm definitely an older (laughs) substantiated person in this industry and a brewer at that. And it's a hard, hard job. This is a career field that is not for everyone. And it takes a lot of time and patience and understanding. And, and, you know, the, the acknowledgement for me is education um, understanding your sensory training and your profiling and your recipe and development, and then creating something that is going to be standing there for the test of time, which beer is that. <laughs> so, yeah, you know you what what stood out to me when I was when I learned about lifting Lucy was that it was so um, when when it was started, it was very specific to what are the needs to make sure that the voices of women of color is being heard and to make sure that that continues and to just address the need like head on, like the, the travel expenses, you know, it's all of that are things that I think people don't think about when they're talking about when we need more diversity on these panels. Well, there, there are financial, you know, costs to, to, to being on panels, to being a speaker, to being a leader within the industry. And how do we address those, those barriers and make sure that what we're doing is creating an equitable industry by addressing that need. And you all have started like a grassroots initiative of we have needs as, as individuals. And so what we we need to not only help ourselves as leaders, but we can make a difference for others as well. And we can pave the way. I loved you when you talked about that of, of creating a pathway for others so that for those who are right behind you and also for those who when their time comes. I loved that that uh, phrase that you talked about. And I, I also what jumped out at me was when you talked about building our own table and having the resources to build the table. I think that yeah. that metaphor really kind of um, creates a picture of what we're talking about. The table theme has actually been brought up multiple times on this podcast of, you know, from people saying, there has never been a seat at the table to how do I, you know, how do I grab a seat at the table? How do I, is it building a longer table? And, you know, this is one where I said, you know, we need to build our own, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to wait and I'm, I'm ready to build my own table and I need the resources right. to do it. And, and so how, how do we make that happen? I think it's a yeah. very inspiring just, initiative. We need to think beyond the table. The table is wonderful. But what about that building that that table is in? What about the foundation that we're setting that table upon? Right. Absolutely. So not, not not to get too meta here. If we're not sponsored know, we're, by the end of this, then I don't know what. <laughs> right? We have, we have no shame. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's definitely what she's right. That's, yeah, that's where it all comes from, right? We're talking about people spending eight, well, companies in the U.S. spending $8 billion on diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. 
and for some reason they're still not being effective there is still a disconnect right Mm -hmm. you know just for women alone there are plenty of opportunities but how do we make sure they they can access them we have people who are brewers and they want to attend these things they want to attend these pivotal you know networking events um workshops but do they have paid time off you know um Direct funding is so, so important because, again, it's just been proven. You know, you can look at all hosts of case studies in cities, um, localities, and it'll show you that direct funding is the way to go. So while we don't have a million dollars yet um, to just, you know, make sure that anyone who wants to can participate in these events um, or has the opportunity to access the, the educational scholarships um, at the same time, you know, we can still make a difference. And we have, you know, plenty of people in networks um, and organizations that are also doing the work. And how are we making sure that we're bolstering up what they're doing so that our mission, again, our goals are just, you know, continuously just permeating throughout where we are, you know, in the U.S. when it comes to craft brewers. But like Sarah is saying, too, it's not just about and Ashley is saying this, it's not just about, you know, um, being a brewery owner. Right. We need suppliers and we have them. We have them, but we need to make sure that they have the funding, they have the advertisement, you know, they have the resources they need because there is room for everyone at that table. There's room for everyone when it comes to these buildings. But, you know, we're just not um, we're not utilizing the resources right here that we have. And we have amazing, you know, women of color who are brewing, who are uh, uh, growing hops, who are growing, you know, who are in the agricultural field, who are in the marketing field. I mean, the list goes on and on, you know, when it comes to vendors and distributors. So, you know, we can talk all day about it, but <laughs> there are plenty of us here. We just need to make sure that they have the accessibility. Well said, Trinice. Yeah. yeah. I know. And um, just as a like quick add on to that, um, you know, uh, I won a scholarship um, last year to go to Siebel College and and learn more about how to be a better how to do all of these things and it, it was fantastic um the Glen Hay Falconer Foundation that supported me and gave me all of this and, and assisted me in getting to that next level um created a space for me what I did find out going was this is several weeks of education that you're immersed and you have to be in that school so you can no longer be at your job it was 24 7 every single day um, they gave me a wonderful stipend for um, for helping with some of the to offset some of the the challenges, but that was still a long period of time off of work, um, making sure that you know if we all have children, 100%, all of us do, and I don't have a significant other, so I couldn't as, as, assume the role onto the other partner. So I had to make sure that you know the kids were taken care of, the the groceries were purchased ahead of time, and then I still had to eat when I was there, and then uh, lodging and uh, transportation and all of the other things that ensued upon that to be able to get there, and then also, you know, uh, flying in and out. Like, the, the airfare for that was not also, you know, it's, it's and it, don't, don't get me wrong, like, I'm not debunking any of the 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 scholarship foundation itself but i feel like there if we 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 had lifting lucy and the subsidiary where we're at right now and what we're looking towards to make sure that we're doing for other women in this industry and what exactly what it's going to help me be able to do and 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 push forward this 
then the, the next person that gets this scholarship, the next person after that that gets the scholarship is not only going to have to, they're not going to have to worry about, you know, the food, the childcare, the other resources, and hopefully we'll be able to, you know, parlay that out a little bit further for certain circumstances. Because uh, Master Brewer Academy for Siebel is six months in Germany or possibly in Chicago, and that is a long commitment. You know, you have to have a, you have to have a brewery set up that's going to pay you to work there part-time during that entire time frame. That's that's a huge commitment. So that's what we're what that's really what I think the bottom line is going to end up being for Lifting Lucy is is being able to obtain that kind of funding and that kind of resources and scholarship foundation for these other women and that will be coming that will be taking over this and doing the next steps because I'm 47. I can't I can't room much longer. I don't I got 20 years left of me maybe. <laughs> And you thought to think of it too, like if people, you know, if these programs are set up, you know, specifically with a DEI type of, you know, feel to it, but you can't, <laughs> you can't uh, obtain the people that you need or the underrepresented groups to have them actually participate, then you could, you know, hopefully not, but you don't want to lose these programs. You don't want to lose these amazing initiatives that people are really working hard to put forth. And so, you know, we don't want it to be where it's a use it or lose it thing. We want to make sure that we keep these initiatives going, keep people, you know, invested um, in, in doing these, but making sure that they're they're able to be used in a, in a, in a way that benefits everyone. But I, I think Ashley, too, has been so instrumental for me um, and Sarah when they send me things even like this has been this has been um, really a, a learning learning thing for me not just for others, because um, the pride that I get to feel when we're reading the history of breweries, of, of breweries, of brewers, of beer maidens, of the beer goddesses. And, you know, and I can see someone who looks like me, um, who is a beautiful beer goddess. And, you know, that it's just something, it's something that you really can't pay for when you can understand your, your culture, um, you know, your ancestors. And even if it's something that's just mythology, it's something beautiful when I can say, oh, wow, that woman looks like me. And she was, you know, herald for being the, you know, the goddess of love and beer or the goddess of, you know, a fertility and beer. Mm -hmm. So it, it's another thing, too, where you really want to instill pride. And I'm thankful for Ashley and Sarah being able to do that, even with me, because my kids are watching, right? Our children are watching and they are you know, they're constantly, my kids are constantly making up their own logos for their breweries when they get up because they're, they see, you know, oh, well, this is a, this is a thing since, you know, the beginning of time. We've always been in brewing and always been in beer and fermenting. So why shouldn't I be, you know, some way invested in this? Um, so I, I just want to say that, you know, in public, I'm really thankful for Sarah and for Ashley and for allowing us to kind of do the work and dig and see the amazing things and amazing people that we come from. And I think that's one of the things, quickly, sorry, that um, with so many different things, like as much as I love beer and the whole world knows I love beer, I love ska music that much more, right? And so growing up going to ska shows and punk shows where I was one of a few and having this narrative pushed on me that I'm the outlier and I'm a part of something that really doesn't belong to me. But when you go and look at the origins of rock and roll and really and truly most music, there is an, an, a melanated soul at the root of that. And it's the same thing with fermentation. Even 
when we were preparing for our upcoming um, Brewster's Place brunch that's going to take place in Charlotte. It's important, yes, all of us identify as being women of the African diaspora, but it's not only about us, you know, it's about our Polynesian sisters and Kava and our Japanese sisters and Sake. And when you really deep dive into the origins of it, it's always been women that have been at the root of producing these beverages that kept their family afloat, were the, the key to social, religious, spiritual, cultural events. It's always been women's work. But it, you know, for a myriad of reasons, for us modern Brewsters, if I can coin that term, there's this narrative that the powers that be, for lack of a better phrase, may try to push on us like, oh, look at you, you're special because you don't meet the, meet the quote unquote stereotypical norm of what somebody in this space is. And so for me, it's really about reclaiming like this is, I don't need your permission to be here. I don't need you to vet me for being in this space because this is a tradition and knowledge that was passed down generations, not only to me and Janice and Sarah, but our Latina sisters at Border Crossing Brewing, oh, yeah. our mm -hmm. indigenous sisters at um, Bow and Arrow. Bow and Arrow, yes. <laughs> Bow and Arrow. And, yes, and New Mexico. And so it, it, the more that I dive into beer, the more I discover myself. And I say this all the time, beer above everything else is really truly anthropology in a glass for me. I learned so much about me. I learned so much about my culture and other cultures. And it's just, it's a beautiful thing to see so many other women of color be able to not only connect to themselves and discover themselves, but discover the lineage that they come from through beer. Wow, Ashley, that, that statement of the more I dive into beer, the more I learn about myself, that is such a, a strong statement and it really stands out to, you know, the roots, the roots of fermentation and the history behind it. And you, you said reclaiming it. I love to hear, you know, how there's been self-discovery in this process of, of becoming more involved in craft beer and learning about it and learning about the history. What a what a beautiful, uh, you know, when you really think about it. I, I just love that statement that you said. And this also kind of ties into my, my next question of, uh, can you share the origin of the name Lifting Lucy and the story behind that? Sure. Um, this is a safe space. Um, so as we were working on, you know, is, is what we were doing to prepare ourselves for CBC 2021 when we realized that it really was beyond us in our immediate circle, I want to say probably about 1.30 in the morning, we were having a chat and I had been out supporting my local craft beer community. And I was like, oh, I got it. <laughs> Lifting Lucy. And they're like, what, Ashley? And I was like, just, 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 just hang with me for a minute. So Lucy is the you know, name that was given to the oldest historically recorded uh, female remains. And she was found in Ethiopia. And we just really had a conversation like, you know, beer is nothing new. Fermentation is nothing new. And if I had to bet my money on it, Lucy probably knew how to make beer. If she didn't, her mom did, her aunties did, her sister did, whoever. And so it really, is, and I'm really big on alliteration. It's easy to remember things. So, you know, LL for short. But it's about lifting her and her legacy and all of the quote unquote Lucy's from around the world, from indigenous communities that have this sacred knowledge of fermentation and utilizing beer, not only for socialization, but for medicinal purposes and all of this. So it really is just 
a love letter to those women that came before us that in their wildest dreams cannot imagine that beer would become the thing that it is and that the three of us and our fellows, you know, modern brewsters and sisters in the craft beer community would be striving to make sure that their names are not forgotten and their legacies are not forgotten. And, and to take it that science step forward, because that's always what I end up doing as a brewer, is uh, mitochondrial DNA. We all share it. We pass it along to each and every one of our individuals. We give that to our sons. We give that to our daughters. So the Lifting Lucy portion, Lucy itself, we have been able to trace back that mitochondrial DNA to prove that all of us are within a sisterhood. We pass the lineage along and whether it sparks an interest in someone else's soul and it does what it's supposed to do and we create this amazing harmonious um, you know, continuation of a circle of life. That's what Lifting Lucy also does because we we are sisters passing along something, not just in beer formation or fermentation formation, but every single time we're, you know, having children and, and they're having children and they're having children. So this is never going to stop. The generations will be there forever because, you know, 23andMe has told me everyone is 2% Sahar sub-Saharan African. So... <laughs> There it is. <laughs> Everyone is a little uh, is a little bit of me and a little bit of you. <laughs> the story behind that and finding, you know, the how you thought of that name, it's just a a beautiful way to to reinforce the community as you were talking about like being bonded with those who are are in this with you and finding your 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 uh things that are in common and and celebrating things that make you different and uh, i just love the the story behind the name lifting lucy and i, I just wanted to give a shout out to it because I, lo I love stories and that's how that's what bonds us i really do believe that like storytelling is a way that bonds us and that's why pot that's why we want to do podcasts right it's it's a way to tell these stories in a way that people understand it's one of the oldest traditions yeah. and uh this is this is a form of that so i love being able to to share that story and i learn more about it myself so that's fantastic thank you you know i, I read some some interesting statistics from from resources on your website about the current landscape for black indigenous women of color and beer um you had those on on your website and i was just wondering if you'd be willing to to share those um with listeners um and kind of talk about you know how it relates to why it's important that we're creating, you know, um, opportunities for more diversity uh, within this space and making it accessible. So Lady Watts is our resident uh, statistician, so we'll let her handle that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we can just start with a, a major one, which is um, when we look at women being what, only 2% of uh, brewery owners in the U.S. and we're working to our way well towards 9,000 plus uh, just craft breweries, right? And then we look at another statistic that tells us less than 1% um, when it comes to people of color are brewery owners when it comes to the U.S. craft brewery market. We can easily say once again um, what we're doing to try to solve this issue of increasing <coughs> representation is clearly not working. Um, and Again, what do we do if, the, you know, if we're, we're putting our efforts, we're putting our money in, we really need to fine tune and analyze, again, where that disconnect is lying. Um, so we just, again, it's not just about being a brewery owner, but what that entails when you're, um, when you, you just, again, you, you're graduating into suppliers, you're graduating into your advertising and marketing, your accountants, 
right? I mean, it, the list goes on and on. And who are actually, as well. Yeah, yeah. And who are providing those services to those breweries who don't have people that look like us? Um, do they have access to even become one of their suppliers or their vendors or their accountant? So we we know that there is a huge, huge issue. We all know that. But this is, again, where we really want to start putting our money um, and putting our love and time where our mouth is. Um, and it comes to saying we, when we, we see just so many statistics when it comes to women of color, just employers, employees, period. Um, Everyone's thinking about leaving. So no one has that tenor anymore. Your turnover rates are crazy, which again, messes with your bottom line. And so we're going to always come back to the economics of this, the socioeconomics. You're, 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 you're basically hurting your own business, not to make sure that we're doing things effectively and efficiently when it comes to increasing representation. Um, and there's, a, again, a lot of statistics, but one important one I would, I think is just that um, the more that you entertain, um, the more that you integrate diversity and inclusion into your businesses, the more that you're actually able to see your uh, your bottom line. You know, it can double, it can trifold. You can actually see exponential growth when it comes to your your bottom line, your profits, not just you know what you make, but your actual profits because. It's just something where you see people who look like you, you feel comfortable and it shouldn't be that way, um, but we're humans, right? We're all humans. We just tend to gravitate to what we gravitate to. So there's nothing wrong in that sense. But again, we really want to stress that businesses um, can actually do great things when it comes to their own bottom line, if they also do great things when it comes to increasing representation, not just in the front of the house, not just in their warehouse, um, not just, you know, one time out of the year, um, but, you know, when it comes to their boards, when it comes to their executive committees, their management team, um, and, you know, not just hiring them to be there because they're black or because they're a brown woman, but because they deserve to be there and, you know, supporting and bolstering their, their um, you know, what they're doing, their descriptions so that they can be successful in those roles. Because we see a lot of that. We see people hired um, to do these great things, to be the DEI uh, executive, <laughs> to be the management executive who's that one person, and a month later, a year later, they're gone. And we see that with women, not just women of color. We see that with women a lot. Um, I can't say the amount of women I've talked to, and they're always saying, okay, well, you know, I was here, but... You know, you just can't find you can't find your home because you feel like you can't be yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a huge thing, too. Again, not just for women of color, but for all of us. So it, it, there is a lot of work to do. Um, but again, businesses, um, people who are already flourishing have a really, really great opportunity to flourish even more. Um, by allowing these people or by, you know, supporting them to become great. Um, they're already amazing, but giving them the platforms, uh, giving them the advertisement, the networking, um, hiring them as their suppliers. Um, it, there's a lot to do, but, you know. Yeah, I really liked your point, and it kind of resonates with some um, comments I've heard from some other guests as well of talking about um, 
when we're having, you know, diversity, it's not just at certain levels, right? It's like, it might be on, you know, whether it's in production, but then also it's at the manager level, but it's so important that it's also represented within the leadership level, because that's where a lot of the major decisions and culture is initiated and that trickles down from there. And so it's so important to make sure that there is the representation of diversity at each of those levels. It doesn't stop at a certain point, um, that it goes all the way. Yeah. And not setting them up for failure. You know, that is the biggest thing. You know, if you put them in these positions, making sure, make sure that they're not set up for failure mm-hmm. because they really, again, can, can bolster your, your productivity. They can bolster your, um, you know, your, your bottom line, your profits. It's so, it's kind of funny too, because we see it, it's, it's a little bit off, but um, when you look at, the ramps nowadays, when you look at these ramps that were actually installed all over the cities uh, for um, people who are differently able. Um, and it was a huge thing. It was a huge contest at the time to do this and how much money it would cost. But now you see that it's not just differently able people who use them, right? There are people who have children who use strollers that use them. And it's the <laughs> same for other things, right? Um, products. You might have a product that you're saying, oh, wow, well, this product is for black people. It's geared towards this black woman. Well, guess what? Someone else wants to use this product because it's just a great product. And so you find that even though you had this target amount that you were planning to make or this target profit, you you could, again, it could be exponential because we find that these products, these things, these initiatives that we do don't just benefit black women, don't just benefit women of color. They benefit everyone. So again, when we talk about that seat at the table, there is room for everyone too. And I know that can get scary when you think about the, I mean, we're saturated with craft breweries right now, but at the same time, there is still room. There are still niches for everyone. That's right. I love that point that you just made, Shanice. And the first thing that came to mind was silk bonnets. And if you're extra bougie like me, Mm -hmm. silk pillowcases. Everybody is sleeping on the silk pillowcases. (laughs) Okay. Oh, forty-seven. You don't need any wrinkles, silk pillowcases help just not just for that, but also your skin tone. Yeah, I see everyone rocking do rags and silk. Yeah, you, you can't get it. Right. It, it works for everyone. Do rags work for everyone too, right? So. Yep, yep. No, I have a esthetician friends that are, um, you know, Botox and and filler extraordinaires, and they, right now the biggest push that they are doing on their um, websites and what they're pushing is silk pillowcases. The women are not just, you know, on cotton all night long, rubbing their faces on it after they put all their product on and everything else. And they're antibacterial. They they don't absorb all the extra oil and, and put it back onto your face. And yet it's a whole thing. No, yes. <laughs> and, that's what we, and that's what we want for beer. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we want for beer. What you need. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks for walking through some of those statistics and, and why they're they're important to know so that we can um, kind of address them and, and really evaluate that and examine that so we can make some changes. Um, how do each of you contribute in your own unique ways as founders of Lifting Lucy? I don't think there's a clear cut um, answer to that, to be perfectly honest. As, as I teased her a little while ago, you know, yes, Trinice is our, our resident statistician, but um, I think all three of us, and I think it's indicative of our upbringing and our culture, 
we just do what needs to get done um, by any means necessary. Shout out to Malcolm X, Happy mm-hmm. Black History Month. Um, and, you know, we, we all have different areas that we excel in. I have a lot of experience with nonprofits and organizational structure and things like that. Sarah, you know, is, is an amazing kick-ass brewer. She understands the technical sides of things. She's got an amazing network um, that we're able to tap in. I mean, all three of us do, but Sarah really, you know, is, is out there. And um, I, I don't know how we really, I don't think it's a divide and conquer type of situation. We all share the same vision and it's almost just like shorthand. We just say, okay, this needs to be done. I mean, there, there are times where Trinice will be like, okay, I'm going away for the weekend. I'm unavailable. And we're like, okay, great. She's resting. Monday morning, somebody has like a, a 23-page summary of our, our activities for the next three years, right? <laughs> uh, myself, we have, we have this brunch coming up. And I know both of them are like, oh, my God, Ashley, go to bed. You know, I'm up doing all this research. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I found like this authentic, you know, Navajo wedding base. And we can talk about this at our event. And so <laughs> we really just pull in all of our life experiences to make sure that at the end of the day, we're achieving our mission and goal of supporting all black indigenous and other women of color um, within this beer industry in whatever space and capacity they would like to see themselves. Wonderful. Thank you. I I agree. (laughs) (laughs) What are lifting Lucy's goals for 2022 specifically? What are you all trying to accomplish within the next year? And I know you, you, like you said, you just said 23 uh, page plan for the next couple of years, but what are what are you immediately working to accomplish and in, in your goals uh, right now? That's you, Trinice. <laughs> oh God, I can go on and on for days, but our two main things right now, um, and that's why I am long winded. But <laughs> our two main things for right now um, are really um, making sure that women have access to um, support when it comes to travel. Um, and then just making sure that they actually are um, registered when it comes to associations, trade associations, professional memberships. Um, those things are invaluable for the amount that you would need to pay. But again, when I was just starting, um, and we were just starting with um, uh, and Brewing, I didn't have, we just did not have the funds, those that little bit of liquidity to um, become members of everything that we wanted to be when it came to professional associations. So that's one of the easiest and best ways that we can really help women of color is to making sure that, you know, if nothing else, we pay for that first year of their memberships. Um, so they have direct access to the information that we have. And the same thing, making sure that when there are events, when there are opportunities and workshops, that they can get to them and they're not stressed, completely anxiety ridden, trying to make something work um, to participate and to attend. In addition to that, I think one of the things that's really exciting for us is we are putting on our first official Lifting Lucy event. Um, That will be our Brewster's Place brunch at Black Market Charlotte following the uh, Pink Boots annual conference on February 20th. Right on. First event. Exciting. So, you know, those goals. It'll be one of those things. Yeah, yeah that is a, a big uh, monumental um, step in, in this organization's um, path forward. So very exciting. Um, you know, those those two goals that you mentioned are 
what they say to me are barriers to entry um, for for women of color. And can you expand on why why working to lower that barrier is important for the entire community and industry? And I know we've kind of reviewed that already, but really to kind of drive that point home to to our listeners and to the community as well. Yeah, lowering that barrier is in it is it's imperative for um, each of us to be able to walk in the door. Um, you know, your resume and your your structure that you're going to go ahead and put out into the world that everyone already sees when you're applying for a position or you're applying for a, you know, a loan or anything like that. Um, I feel like it's it's a, over and over and over again until you have to mark the X that says what your um, ethnicity is and what you might um, color wise bring to the table. I feel like that that is my my our each of us our resumes speak volumes like we will win every battle just on resumes alone and our presence of the resume but as soon as they ask us to mark a a ballot or a portion that says that we are this or we are another color or we are women or anything like that it's going to go off the table so making sure that that barrier itself is not important. So when I walk into the room for the the group um, interview, that it's 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 gonna be not shock and awe on their face, but like hell the fuck yeah, <laughs> let's do this, let's run with this every single time. And that's what's important right now is to make sure that that barrier itself is no longer something that is gonna pull back and be like, oh, well, you know, and I'm not even gonna go down the street of possibilities, but I, I wanna walk into the room and be the presence of the shock and awe or my fellow females alongside me are gonna walk into the room and that's it. Like, that's all there is. Or, you know, and and my, my men fellow and, BIPOC as well, you know, you're, we're still looking at the industry as a whole. This isn't just one thing or another. And, 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 you know, we have to make sure that that barrier in particular is no longer a thing. Like I saw a thing at CBC this last year, where instead of everyone saying the female brewer on the back of their t-shirt or the male brewer or this or that, and utilizing that whole premise that I'm a female brewer. No, I'm just a brewer. Mm -hmm. And I don't need to put black in front of it and I don't need to put anything else, but you're going to drink my beer and you're going to know my beer because you're going to know who that, what, who that brewer was or what their initiative was that they always brought to the table. And those are those barriers where like, you're going to be like, oh, well, wait a minute. That was a Latino brewer. That was a, you know, any, any, any other particulate that is just brewer doesn't, or, you know, owner or this and that, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I would say another barrier of entry that sometimes is overlooked is that credit or acknowledgement for previous experience and transferable skills. I come from a rather, you know, corporate background. I, I found craft beer on an absolute fluke. You know, I, I have a fancy law degree that lives at my parents' house because they paid for it and I don't use it. Um, but I have a lot of skills that I bring to this community. Um, that you know are are definitely needed and i know Trinice touched upon that a little bit later but one of the most heartbreaking things um that i've encountered is when i am having conversations with other women of color that 
like myself, you know, stumbled upon craft beer and absolutely fell in love with it is saying, hey, I have a really good job doing X, Y, Z, but I really want a foot in the door in this industry. Do I need to give up what I do to go, you know, pour pints behind a bar? I don't know if I can do that. And it's really just a matter of having a conversation and saying, all right, sis, what is it that you do? Oh, you run the compliance department for your local government? Craft beer is nothing but checks and balances and compliance and people need you. And here's how you go about letting people know like, hey, I have value to contribute to this community. This is what I do, let me do it for you. I think that's a huge barrier of entry. And as Sarah touched on a little bit a uh, while ago, for me, you know, I have a double challenge, not only wanting to open up a craft brewery in general, but wanting it to open it up in a country that doesn't have an established craft brewery market. And so having that conversation with financial institutions to say, hey, this is what I'm looking to do. This is why you need to invest in me. That's a huge challenge. But what's been helpful for me is really sharing my passion within my community and showing people this is a way for us to reflect who we are as a people within this expression of art that happens to be in a glass and drinkable. And so it's very important to be able to speak to the opportunities within craft beer and get those champions to come along with you. Uh, almost two years now, yeah, it'll be two years this summer. Um, the brewery that we're at now, Tanea Creek, um, which is an amazing, iconic uh, brewery here in town. They're geographically directly across the street from a significant historical site for everybody in America. It was the first desegregated hotel in all of the United States of America, which is the Moulin Rouge. And so we partnered with them for Black is Beautiful and a couple other breweries. And a big part of that push was not just brewing the beer, selling it, and cutting a check to, you know, whatever nonprofit you could find. It was actually like, no, we need to have community engagement and a degree of corporate stewardship to say, hey, this is what craft beer is. This is what it means. And we put together a presentation for our local urban chamber of commerce where we presented 45 goods and services that the average brewery needs to operate. And it was just such a beautiful moment to have people call me saying, oh my gosh, I've been running a catering business for the past 20 years. I never knew that breweries didn't have kitchens. And I can reach out to them and say, hey, how do I get on your food truck rotation? So to sum all that up, I think education, experience, and having someone to help you think outside of the box to see where that place in the community is for you is a huge barrier of entry. And it's important to break those barriers because, again, we're talking about women um, of color possibly being over 56% of the U.S. population by 2060. We're talking about, you know, um, you know, our workforce development, our vocational programs. Um, if you don't get right as a business, you might get left, as we say in my area, <laughs> you know. So I'm going to always bring it back to the dollars. You're leaving $30 on this table when you don't make sure that we are effectively and efficiently breaking down these barriers. We're not just leaving money on the table. These major companies who, again, this is what drives it, it's just business, right? You're leaving money on the tables. We can't tell you how many um, economic development councils aren't even um, aware of, you know, their breweries, aren't aware of how much money they are, you know, impacting when it comes to their communities. And so we want to make sure that no dollar is left off these tables because we can start exporting um, our brews all we want to, but we still have a huge market here of people of color that we have not even tapped into yet, right? 
Um, so breaking down those barriers are important, making sure that they are on your management teams, on your board, so that you're not making catastrophic mistakes that cost money. Let's see, you know, so I'm always going back to the, the moolah, but um, mm -hmm. that, that's why it's also important, you know. Well, I think that's important, Trinice, and because money tends to be the language that, like, you know, in the U.S. we understand. Like, it like always it, right? it always speaks volumes, and so making sure we're getting like this balanced perspective. So I think that I think that does speak to a lot of people and speaks to a language of uh, kind of puts into that perspective as well. So this is this is a question for each of you, but uh, what inspires each of you about your your fellow co-founders? Hmm. Uh, I'm going to go first. I totally yeah, jump in there. Um, so me being the boots on the ground, as I like to always say, the grunt work, the brewer, the everything, um, it, it's you in between um, some high ABV beers that I might come up with some crazy, really great ideas on how we're going to be able to continue structuring and doing Lifting Lucy and being a part of the world. Um, so for me, it's imperative that I have these two incredible women by my side, um, continually guiding me and all of my um, uh, sailor talking, um, F-bomb dropping, uh, <laughs> um, crazy nuances, because when I'm dealing with, uh, you know, an owner or a brewer or an associate that has demeaned me for the 17,000th time today to remind me and mansplain me and tell me, um, you know, this is why we don't hire your kind and this is why you're not a part of the pivotal importance of craft beer and this is why women have a place and every other little thing that we've all kind of probably heard over the years or tell me one more time how, you know, IPAs became um, the most thing in America and gosh knows, you know, how is it that we got a porter and I can go on for days, but these two women um, break down that immediate crass situation that I'd like to have is Sarah Perez and they put me and remind me like look we're here for a reason we need you to make sure that your voice is being heard and we're going to structure it and we're going to keep you in line and if if I didn't have them I would be the blubbering idiot that maybe you know I was on the stage at CBC and I'm not going to you know I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna write my crown I'm gonna structure her up on top of my beautiful fro and I'm going to do exactly what I need to do. And if it's a brew day, I'm wearing my overalls and I don't have lipstick on and I'm stinky just like every other guy in the brewery and I'm going to do it. So if I didn't have Trinice and Ashley by my side, I, I wouldn't be here today. So they are the reason um, that I and I do what I do, and I will continue to. <laughs> I second the emotion. Um, it, it's very easy for, and I'll say this because uh, um, I can say this for a woman of color, especially where I come from in, in the DMV. Um, you are always suspecting someone for wanting to help you, for wanting to do good in your life. You always are in the back of your mind thinking, what do they really want from me? Um, and they have allowed me to blossom in a way where I can receive 
someone supporting me. I can receive someone loving on me and saying, Trenise, we got your, you know, your 30 page report. Now go chill, <laughs> go relax and go eat something. Take so your ass to bed. I love these women because they're everything I am and they're everything I'm not. Um, when I'm having my kooky day and I'm, you know, you know, mad because I didn't get some welding gear I wanted in or I, you know, whatever it could be. They're always there be like, it's all good, girl. It's all good. <laughs> we got this. And the same thing Sarah says, I have to be honest, I might not be here if it wasn't for them. Because, you know, Tony, every, everybody on this on this panel right now knows we have a host of things that we would never want to bother other someone else with. Um, no. And so we keep all of these things in. And it affects your energy, it affects your health. Um, but with these two women, um, they have, again, allowed me to just have those moments to let that out um, so that I have room for the good energy, for the positive vibes. Um, and I'll, I'll forever be grateful for that. Well said, Trinice. You know, you're talking about how being able to to share with with others is so important and you know i couldn't agree more you know as as women in this industry being able to relate to someone is so important because the challenges that you experience you know the the triumphs that you experience may be very different than other people within this industry and so having someone understand you and being able to see one another say you know i see you i hear you you know i've been there or i feel you or whatever it is it makes a person feel very validated and which is so important for emotional health, you know, mental well-being within this industry. And so I, I do really appreciate that point that you brought up of having someone that understands you, that you can talk to um, and kind of, you know, un unburden yourself a bit with, uh, you know, just sharing your thoughts and, and your challenges and, and what you're feeling. And Ashley will attest to it, you know, my experience as a black woman is not her experience as a black woman. It's not Sarah's, Sarah's experience as a black right. woman. So we make it over arguments between, you know, country music, ska, and metalcore. You know, at the end of the day, we can still love each other, right? And, you know, we're still yeah. moms. We're still other things other than our color. Ah, don't speak that you love here. <laughs> no, no. I'm the fun auntie that ain't got no kids. That's right. Give them back when you're done. We understand. <laughs> Well, I'll read out the trio here. Um, as I mentioned a little while before, you know, it, it's crazy. I, I would say Sarah and I are much closer now that she does not live in Las Vegas than we were when she was here. But at the same time, Sarah was the first in the flesh I could reach out and touch her woman of color that I saw doing big shit in the craft beer community. At that time, she wasn't working, you know, officially in the community, but she was in the leadership position for a group that no longer is around RIP, Barley's Angels, right? Rest in peace. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, damn, okay, like, she knows her shit, people take her seriously, like, you know, and so Sarah has always been an inspiration from me literally going to my first craft beer festival, not knowing what the hell I was doing, being hell-bent on trying all 300 beers on tap, I made it to 200 and some odd. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. It was poor life choices that night. But I, I met my beer husband that night as yes. well. So it worked out. 
But um, as I've decided that this is going to be where I spend the rest of my life and I need to carry this mission forward in the forms of having my own brewery, there have been times where I'm like, Sarah, here's this, you know, traditional drink in Jamaica. I want to make it a beer. What do I do? And she's like, all right, what ingredients do you have? This is what you do. Let's do it. And so I really appreciate that I can bring the crazy ideas that I have. Um, you know, my dad was a chef. I spent four summers at Fat Camp. I want all of my beers to taste like a full meal, right? So I can bring these to Sarah, and she's like, "All right, like let's let's take a breather for a second. Let's let's fine tune that." And so I really appreciate that. Um, as far as Trinice goes, like these are both my sisters, but this is my mental sister. Like there are literally times where we don't even have to speak to each other, and we literally are on the same wavelength. And she's it's it's such a breath of fresh air to have somebody to say, this is our end goal. You know what you do. I know what I do. Let's hit it. And when we reconvene, we're going to make sure the other is covered. And outside of, you know, beer related stuff, I would say that one of the, one of the things that I cherish the most about my sisterhood with Trenise is being able to observe her with her daughters. And I tell her this all the time, we'll be on a call and she'll have to get her girls together real quick. And then the next bus, she's like, you know, you know, I love you. I'm proud of you. And it's just like, that's the parenting, especially for those of us out here that have, that are raising, you know, young girls that are going to be women of color very soon. You know, this world is not always kind to you. And you got to have that foundation and know, like, yeah, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to mess up sometimes. I'm going to make some people angry, but if nobody else has me, my mom has me. And so I just love how she is as a mother. I love observing her and um yeah this is it, it's full circle in, in so many ways and shout out to facebook because it wasn't for facebook i wouldn't have Shanice in my life <laughs> beyond supporting lifting lucy what are some ways the hop and beer community can support black indigenous and women of color i'll take that I would say the biggest thing, you know, that 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 key word that everybody is getting away from, gentrification. Um, the next buzzword is exurban, right? So you may be looking to open up your establishment in an exurban community because it's fiscally advantageous for you. You have a duty and a sense of responsibility if you are moving into uh, an ethnic or underrepresented community. Um, it's not just a situation of you coming in there because it's good for you. You need to be a good neighbor and make sure that you're given just as much, if not more, that you're receiving from those communities. So that's step one. Step two, I would say, you know, we all have a million things going on. And, you know, this this walk, this journey, this work is hard work. And it's not for everybody. And I fully appreciate, you know, if there's an establishment in the middle of nowhere in Iowa that says, you know, it, it's not a Latina around or an African-American woman around for 200 miles. I don't have the time or the resources to go out and let them know, hey, this is a safe space. I respect that. But if you make the decision that this is the work that you want to do, it's a full-time commitment. It's not a one and done. And this is why it's important to really foster these relationships and have these conversations. Nobody's going to get everything right the first time, even us, you know. But you can't be afraid to be intentional in your actions, right? 
Those are great. Those are great points to bring up. Thank you for, for, you know, kind of talking through that of, of how the community can be mindful as they move forward with their business practices. They're making decisions for their business of what they can do to have that intention um, and kind of think of it from, you know, not just their business perspective, but also how are they working with the community to support the community? Is it really, you know, is, are your decisions being made with the right intention? So I, I appreciate those points that you made. Any, any other thoughts on that? Mm, no. <laughs> I mean, we presented a whole three no. panels on it. Yeah. 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 does, right? Doing what doing what you do, Tony, um, and doing what your company does. Um, right. Allowing, you know, again, because of Yakima and because of Pink Boots, um, I have been able to again collaborate and meet so many amazing uh, female identities of uh, women, um, it's, it's been mind-boggling. I'm like, where have you all been? So continue uh-huh. um, <laughs> doing what you're doing um, because it really does make a difference. And even if, when you don't see it, 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 it does. Um, yeah. it's, it's instrumental. And you, you know, it just takes one person. It really does. I, I, I can get corny, um, but it, it's the truth. It only takes one person. You don't have to have a million dollars. And you know, you being having this platform um, and allowing us to share our our joys, our visions, our struggles with you, um, that could help someone else who becomes the next billionaire and comes back and you know maybe pays it forward to you. You know, you just yeah. don't know. But that's how it works. That that's truly how it works. So um, that's all I can say to that. Just keep doing what you're doing. Wonderful. Thank and I'm you. I'm sorry. I just want to circle back, Janice just brought up a very, very uh, pertinent point, you know, outside of the emotional and intellectual resources that doing this work requires, a lot of people figure like, I just don't have the money to hire somebody as a consultant or whatever. And I promise you, I would bet, what would I bet? What's my most prized possession? I would bet my passport. That's my, okay. That I could find, I will take that challenge. I can find somebody with little to no resources and still find somewhere that they can leverage those resources to be more inclusive, minded, more diverse, and to help push this this vision of equitable engagement that we have for really everyone in the craft beer community. So don't sell yourself short. Don't think that you can't do it because you don't have a big budget. You know, you're you're a small nano brewery like. The resources are there. You already have them. It's just a matter of digging in there and finding out what they are. Great point to bring up, Ashley. Thank you both so much. Um, any any key takeaways uh, for you know for the podcast before we close? Hmm. I think I said mine. Um, keep on, keep on, keep it on, sister. Uh, doing what you do um, because right. it does make a difference. Um, and we're just thankful. Um, we are, uh, it, it, it's easy to say, oh, because we're doing this, everyone should just get behind it. Everyone should just get on board, but that's just not <laughs> the case, right? And we're all, like, she's yeah. like, we are, we all are busy. Everyone is busy. So, you know, just even the chance of someone seeing what we're doing, it's, it's tough, especially with us just starting out. So, um, again, I'm just really, really proud to see, um, the growth, the love that we're getting, the support that we we are getting from people and from organizations. Yeah. Yeah. 
don't stop, won't stop. That's my 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 <laughs> I saying. I can't, I can't. Because if I do, then somebody else won't won't have the opportunity that I've had, and someone won't ask the questions that I have asked, and someone won't do the the, the idea that's behind what I've been doing. And and if if I don't answer those questions, and if I'm not in front of that um, right now, then then maybe somebody else will miss out, and I won't have another me to replace me later because I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with sharing the space and allowing everybody else in and doing the things that I want them to know that this was an opportunity that is there and exists, and we we can't we can't stop just by creating Lifting Lucy, we have to make sure that all the work is done and all, all, all the pathways are created and that there are so many outlets and so many avenues for everyone. So yeah, can't stop, won't stop. And for me, again, I just want to bring back, you know, the focus to, yes, this is an industry, you know, everybody wants to eat and be able to take vacations. And if, you know, you got little crumb snatchers, make sure they got their uniforms <laughs> and all of that. But at the end of the week, this is a craft beer community. And I really want to encourage people to focus that above all this is the community. You know, with me having a background in the legal field and mental health services and being an elementary middle school teacher, a bunch of other things that I've done, this is the only industry where I have seen people, and it was mind-blowing. It took me a good solid two years to just figure out that's just how this industry is you know i could have a brewery literally next door to sarah we are both kicking ass selling ipas right i'm out of hops i can literally go next door to sarah and say look sis i'm short can you help me out and i'll get you on my next delivery and she's like yep no problem like no other industry have i have i worked in where your direct competitor will help you succeed and that's what keeps me here that's what has really solidified for me that the rest of my life will be spent in this community one way or the other. And so really just don't don't forget that above all, this is a community. And as a community, you have responsibility to be an active, contributing, positive member of this community. Absolutely. Great points, each of you. Um, so before we wrap up, where can listeners find you? Social media, website, let us know where we can uh, connect with Lifting Lucy and, and learn more and, and follow along on, on the journey. Well, you can find us at uh, liftinglucy.org, spelled F is. Um, and you can also find us on most social media platforms. Uh, we are really good about... Um, IG and Facebook. We're learning a little bit, uh, especially for me. The kids are helping me. <laughs> but you can also find us, um, again, Facebook, IG. We have a Twitter page and we have YouTube um, channel. And of course, we'll have a lot of content coming for that soon. But if you need to reach out to us, you can also email us. Um, and you can find all this information as well on our website, but it's at contact at liftinglucy.org. But I would just suggest going to our website where there's a, a wealth of information and resources on um, support and, and just other things that you might want to know. 
Great. Thank you. And I know that on the website, there's, it's very laid out. If someone's looking to support Lifting Lucy, there's, uh, there's different options. You all have merch available for sale. There's an easy way to donate. There's sponsorship, sponsorship packages. So, uh, you know, I encourage anyone listening who wants to get involved, who wants to support, go, go to the website. There's lots of resources and information there and easy, simple ways to be able to financially support the initiatives of Lifting Lucy. Well, thank you all so, so much for joining me on the podcast today. This was a wonderful opportunity to learn from each of you, uh, learn more about the Lifting Lucy Project and how we as members of this community can support Black, Indigenous women of color and beer. When YCH learned of this initiative, we were so excited and totally inspired by your work and in support of the mission, vision, and and 2022 goals of Lifting Lucy. uh, YCH will be donating $1,000 to Lifting Lucy, and we encourage those able to do so to find ways to support this organization as well. We are seriously so so thrilled for this this initiative, and we can't wait to, to continue, not just this donation, but to continue being involved and to support Lifting Lucy in your work um, moving forward. So everyone, let's spread the word about Lifting Lucy so that everyone in this community is very well aware of the work and the initiatives being done. Together, let's create something bigger than beer. 